This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Inspiration today. Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News and answering one of your listener questions. You can always email yours in to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Jumping right to Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So Carnival Cruise Line is shooting for a new return to service date, but it sounds like it's a little more in concrete this time. Yeah, so out of Carnival Cruise Line's 27 ships, only eight are scheduled to resume service this summer. All other cruise departures will continue the current pause in service, and this includes all North American and Australian cruises that were scheduled to depart through August 31st. So beginning on August 1, a total of eight ships will cruise from three ports, Galveston, Miami, and Port Canaveral, the logic partly being because they are easy to get to if you have a car. So from Galveston, you can expect the Carnival Dream, Freedom, and Vista. Out of Miami, you can cruise on Carnival Horizon, Carnival Magic, or Sensation. And then my old hometown, Port Canaveral, you can hop on the Carnival Breeze or the Carnival Elation. All cruises to Alaska aboard Carnival Spirit from Seattle are canceled for the entire season. The same goes for the end of season on Carnival Spirit when the ship would have gone Vancouver to Honolulu and then continuing on to Australia. For those who are booked on one of the canceled cruises, Carnival is offering two options. The first one is kind of a double deal. They're giving a future cruise credit combined with an onboard credit. And the other choice, of course, is a full refund. Guests can choose their refund selection online at Carnival.com and bypass a possible long hold time on a phone call trying to get through to customer service. You briefly mentioned about Alaska here, and basically the Alaska season is out for Carnival Cruise Line. But on Wednesday, a couple of more cruise lines stepped in and said, hey, we're not doing Alaska either. Yeah, so say goodbye to Princess and Holland America for the Mm. entire Alaska season. This is going to be strange. I mean, you knew something was up when Princess canceled um, or canceled all of the the lodge bookings in Denali and Fairbanks and wherever. But uh, yeah, just to actually see it in print, it was just, I don't know, my stomach just dropped when I saw that. I mean, I knew it was going to happen most likely, but, you know, you just hope that it won't, but it did. Sherry, remember years ago, we're probably going back 10 plus years, whenever there was the whole head tax issue with Alaska and a lot of cruise lines pulled out of Alaska for the summer season. Was that as bad as this? That head tax has always been something of uh, contention, bone of contention up here anyway. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a whole lot worse. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I'm just waiting. You know, so far, Royal Caribbean still has some cross-gulf cruises scheduled in okay. uh, uh, July, August, and September. You know, you have to fly up to uh, Anchorage and then take the train or a bus down to Seward to get back to Vancouver. And that's assuming Vancouver is going to open to large cruise ships. So, you know, it's just like I was thinking, it's just like, uh, uh, what do you call it, gratuities or room service fees. When one does it, they all do it. So, unfortunately, um, you know, I think we're going to see that probably in the near future. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully not. But um, 
Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so in speaking of Carnival, this is a Carnival Corporation. They got some news last Friday from the U.S. government. Yeah, this is uh, this. And, you know, if you take the time to read this letter, which I actually did for the first time in ages, I read something, you know, official. But so a congressional committee, which is being led by the U.S. House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure, they've launched an investigation, as you mentioned, into Carnival Corporation. The inquiry is in regard to what the corporation knew about COVID-19 on several of their ships and then moving forward, what the cruise company will do to keep their crew and passengers safe once cruising does begin. So last Friday, the committee sent a letter to Carnival Corporation President and CEO Arnold Donald asking for various documents that relate to the COVID outbreak, how the company responded, and they also want a written plan on how the cruise line will prevent and respond to all infectious disease outbreaks. And mentioned in the letter was that at least nine of Carnival Corporation's ships were infected with COVID-19 and resulted in more than 1,500 confirmed infections and, sadly, at least 39 deaths. The letter also requests all records and communications beginning from January 1st. And it is suggested in the letter that Carnival officials were aware of the threats to some of its ships and, unfortunately, did not take appropriate actions. So... By May 15th, Carnival must furnish to the committee, and this is, this is extensive, all records and communications from all employees, ships officers, medical staff, communications between crew and Carnival's home office in Miami, plus communications with the CDC, HHS, Coast Guard, and public health departments for California and Florida. If Carnival can't get all the documents together by the May 15th deadline, they can submit the paperwork on a rolling basis. Royal Caribbean and Celebrity are doing what it takes to get their crew members home. Yeah, so I think just about everyone has seen the headlines that stated nearly 100,000 crew members were still on board ships floating in and out of international and U.S. waters just waiting to disembark to go home. So, you know, what's been holding this up? So a big factor in preventing Royal Caribbean international crew members from disembarking is that Royal Caribbean and celebrity executives refused to sign off on a list of requirements presented by the CDC. And these requirements include that Royal Caribbean and celebrity must provide private air charters rather than public transportation to get crew home, which totally makes sense in my opinion. One would, no one would be allowed to overnight in a hotel either during that um, repatriation. So that would mean the cruise lines would then have to coordinate back-to-back transport around the world. But the biggest issue that neither cruise line would sign off on was that each cruise line CEO, chief medical officer, and chief compliance officer would be held legally responsible, including possible criminal and civil consequences, if a crew member did not adhere to the CDC requirements. So during all of this, apparently Royal Caribbean told their crew that the CDC was not allowing the flights home, but the CDC said that was not true. So there's some discussion going on there. But then just a few days ago, the the CEOs of both cruise lines decided to sign the letter and start getting their crew home. So tentative plans in the letter says that American crew on ships close to the U.S. coast will be sent home via private transportation. Ships in the Caribbean with American crew will head to Miami and send 
their staff home no later than May 14th. And then it goes on to say more things about how they're get, how they're transporting um, the Indonesians, the you know all the people that are obviously very far away. Um, for example, the Indonesian crew is aboard the Explorer of the Seas. They're cruising down to uh, Barbados, and then they will take charter flights from there to get home. Ukrainians and Romanians are being um, flown home on separate charter flights out of Miami, while other Europeans and Canadians are going to board ships and cruise to Southampton. And then they'll be able to, you know, for the Canadians, we'll then have to fly back to North America. But the other Europeans will then fly home as long as their country's airports are open. Um, If someone can't make it home once the ships get to their intended port, they will be allowed to stay on board with room and board uh, until they can finally get into their airport on their home country. Wow. What a logistical nightmare. I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean... It, it, it reminds me of, I don't know, like a board game, I don't know, yeah. Risk or something or, yeah. or or Battleship where you're moving pieces around and you're trying to coordinate tactics. And I don't know. I don't know how they did that. But, yeah, they're starting to get their crew home. It, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously, but uh, at least they're on their way and give them some hope. Yeah, like we saw Carnival doing it last week with those ships, the nine ship, well, actually the 18 ships that met up in – uh, off the coast of the Bahamas, and nine of yeah. them are kind of going all over the globe to deliver crew members everywhere. It's just a, such a big in, uh, undertaking, but hey, they got to get those crew members home. And more doom and gloom. Two cruise terminals have been delayed due to uncertainty. That's right. And plans to build new cruise terminals in Seattle and Galveston are now on hold. The port of Galveston is delaying the start of construction on Terminal 3, until 2021. And now the new terminal's probable opening date will be sometime in the third quarter of 2022. The opening had originally been timed for the arrival of Allure of the Seas, but that is scheduled to begin sailing from Galveston beginning November 2021. So that's not going to happen. And then Seattle was ready to invest $100 million to transform Terminal 46 to become the city's fourth cruise ship terminal, but that project is also on hold along with a hiring freeze. And the city said they should be able to save about $70 million as a result of the delay. And finally, bad news turned good for Norwegian... And finally, bad news turned to good news for Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. Yep. So in an about face from Tuesday, when Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings floated the idea of bankruptcy... On Wednesday morning, they happily announced that they have now secured enough financing to get through for at least a year or more. And this covers the prospect of a longer no-sale order, which is something we just talked about. Norwegian expects to add approximately $3.5 billion of liquidity. So in a statement from the cruise line, they said that the liquidity alleviates management's concern about the cruise line's ability to continue for the next 12 months. I guess people will sleep easier As of now, the cruise line is hoping to resume sailings as of July 1. I just want to bring something up here because uh, I got the crap kicked out of me for publishing a headline yesterday, and it was very balanced. It showed the good and the bad, but Norwegian Cruise Lines on their 8K filing on the SEC website, 
It said, if we are not able to fulfill our liquidity needs through operating cash flows and or borrowing under credit facilities or otherwise in capital markets, our business and financial conditions could be adversely affected and it may be necessary for us to reorganize, including bankruptcy proceedings. So the filing did say they Mm -hmm. could go into bankruptcy if these loans didn't go through. Thank God they went through and they have 12 months of sustainability. But if this didn't happen, we could be telling a different story right now. Oh, that's for sure. And, you know, these are loans. Mm-hmm. Things have to be paid back eventually, too. So, you know, a lot re- relies on how fast they're going to fill the cabins. All right. Listener question time. Email your listener questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. This comes from Mickey. My husband and I are booked on an MSC transatlantic cruise from Barcelona to Miami in November of 2021. We are considering the Queen Mary 2 from New York to Southampton to avoid flying over. Formal wear is not our thing. Can we survive by eating in the pub and buffet only wearing shorts on board or will we go hungry? Well, hi, Mickey. And I think it's a great idea. In fact, it's my only way to get back and forth uh, to Europe. And I'm glad you're thinking of including the Queen Mary, too, for one of your modes of transport. But there are a few things I think you need to be aware of before you commit to Cunard. And first, you said you're going in November. There are a few things to think about uh, from a weather standpoint. Even though you're MSC Transatlantic, you're going to board in Barcelona, it's going to take a totally different route than Queen Mary 2 would. So your MSC cruise, it looks like, will head south from Barcelona. You're going to follow the Gulf Stream into the Caribbean and then head up to Miami. So it's going to be nice and temperately warm. But Queen Mary 2 travels the North Atlantic and out in the middle of the ocean, especially in November. If you're wearing shorts, you're going to freeze. <laughs> Which brings me to the second point. You mentioned the pub. The Golden Line pub only serves lunch, not dinner. And if you're thinking about going to the King's Court buffet for dinner, shorts would be inappropriate. I don't want to sound, you know, like a Emily Post or anything. But, um, you know, aside from being cold, if the door should open, um, even in the buffet, people are still dressed, uh, let's call it what, business casual or resort casual, whatever that is. And remember, it's winter, too. It's not summer. You know, if you're going into the Caribbean on Queen Mary, too, yeah, I think I think you could do that. But my suggestion, if you're going to do this, put on whatever isn't really beach or warm weather attire. Just put on, you know skirt, pants, um, jeans. Yeah, you could get away with jeans. I've tried that myself in the buffet. And um, as soon as I sit down, you know, I'm fine. But when I'm standing in line wearing jeans, um, I just feel kind of self-conscious. But, uh, you know, you can always get room service if you don't feel like dressing at all. We both know I've been nailed to the cross by pretentious colleagues before for wearing... I remember. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Whatever. A like, long time ago. It's still by. It's still bugging me. But if someone is paying that rate to go on the Queen Mary, if they want to wear shorts in the buffet, like, are they going to be turned away? No, they won't be turned away. And, you know, you probably won't even get side looks from people. I'm thinking more of it being cold in November. Sure. But, you know, and if you don't, if, if, if you, you know, absolutely don't care, yeah, wear shorts, wear your flip flops. Um, 
they, you know, they don't have like some of the cruise lines say long, you know, long pants are necessary after 6 p.m. or no jeans after 6 p.m. You really could go to the the King's Court buffet in shorts if you wanted to. Um, You might be cold. That would be a problem, too, because there are doors to the outside that are nearby when you're up there. And it it does get a little breezy. But, um, yeah, you won't get turned away. And and then again, um, and in the Golden Lion Pub for lunch, definitely include that. And definitely go early on in the cruise. Because a lot of people, that used to be sort of like the quiet place that no one knew about. Well, oops, <laughs> for lunch. Um, but it is one of my favorite places. But you have to get there early or forget it. You won't get a table or a chair, period. In 2010, I was on Celebrity Solstice. And the rules might have changed since then. But I was trying to go to the main dining room on formal night. I did not have a jacket. I had a tie on. Didn't have a jacket. The maitre d' said, yeah, you can't come in here without a jacket. And I thought he was joking, so I kind of like laughed and kept walking. He's like, no, sir, I'm serious. You need a jacket to come in here. (laughs) I'm like, well, I didn't bring one with me. And he's like, well, I might have an extra one. And he gave me his to wear. He's like, you just have to have it behind your seat while you're sitting in here. I get that it's a formality thing, but some people might be insecure dressing up, you know? Yeah, it kind of is. But, you know, it's pretty amazing to see how things have changed in just 10 years. You know, when you used to have to tie or a jacket for men um, and no jeans. But, yeah, you know, things are just getting more casual. Everyone works so hard during the week that when they go on vacation, people are getting tired of dressing up. Except, I will add, if you're on the Queen Mary, too, um, there will be a lot of people from the U.K. on there. And they still think Cunard is the end all. And I love Cunard. I really do. But they will get more dressed up than the Americans in, in a general, generally speaking. So, you know, it's it's just personal preference. And, and you know, I've even been on Carnival where I, you know, just put on a pair of slacks and a, a sweater to go to dinner and people are decked out to the nines. So, you know, it really depends on your comfort level. And if dressing up is something you really love to do and it's a once a year occasion, go for it. Have fun. But. You know, if if you're done with that, if you're over that, or you just don't have any interest in it, you know, you want to just bring casual clothes and get away with whatever you can without being rude to other guests. That's my suggestion. And just to clear myself from any emails I'll probably be receiving, <laughs> I have changed my ways since then, and I do have a nice sports jacket I bring with me on every single trip. I know. I've seen it. Yeah. We're all very proud of you. Thank you. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Have a good week. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. 
If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. Last fall, Jeremy and his family cruised on Carnival Inspiration, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Jeremy. Good to be with you. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, calling in and offering to give a review of this ship. We don't get a lot of West Coast ships here on the show, so it was great to get your email. Uh, Before we get to Carnival Inspiration, as we always do, we'll take a step back. Give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this four-nighter out of Long Beach? So my family and I, we live in San Diego, and I actually work weekends. So we wanted to find a relatively short vacation option that we wouldn't have to fly to. So the inspiration or the imagination out of Long Beach were pretty much our only options. Uh, my wife and I had actually gone on the ins- imagination when I finished grad school, and we remembered how much fun it was and how easy it was. So we picked the sailing mostly because it left the day after my busy season ended. So we jokingly called it uh, to the kids, I'm really sorry you haven't seen your father in a month cruise. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, but we also picked Carnival because it's it's just super family friendly. The ports are pretty easy for us. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And although we went on some cruises when my oldest was one, this really was like their first cruising experience. So we really wanted to do something uh, that could really help them get the cruising bug. And one thing we did to really help get the kids ready for the cruise is we did a ton of research ahead of time. Um I became an avid listener to uh, cruise radio, uh, the podcasts and the videos, cruise tips TV and, and all those things. And that was really helpful in helping them get a sense of what to expect. Um, we also did a system with the kids of uh, we called it cruise cash, where we told them that we would we told them that we would get them one souvenir in each port and one thing on the ship. But anything else that they wanted, they had to get with their cruise cash. So if they wanted to play in the arcade or whatever. And my kids can be pretty picky food-wise, so we incentivize trying new foods with adding money to their cruise cash, um, which actually worked out really well in doing the research. It also helped that we found menus online for the main dining room and such. And so over the summer, I made some of the dishes uh, with them so that when we got on the ship and they saw gazpacho andaluz on the menu, they had a sense of what that meant and what it would be, which made a really big um, impact in helping manage their expectations. That's really clever. Did you figure that out like on your own or does Sherry do that over at Cruise Tips TV? No, I totally stole it from Sherry. That's awesome. <laughs> so cool. So you're down in San Diego. You make your way to Long Beach. Uh, how was embarkation once you got to the Long Beach cruise terminal? Embarkation was super easy. Having done all the research and everything, we had learned that Long Beach isn't so particular about what time uh, your boarding is in terms of when you can get on the ship. So we got there about as early as we could. We arrived at the terminal around 11 o'clock. Our boarding time was supposed to be 12.30, but we got there at 11. Boarding for our group was called at 11.18. And at 11.25, we were on board the ship, um, which was great because it meant that we had the pools and the buffet all to ourselves. Um, And one thing that I learned about this is that the check-in that's 90 days out is actually 90 days at midnight Eastern time. So I check. So let's say check-in opens on November 1st at midnight. Mm-hmm. That meant that at 9 p.m. on October 31st, Pacific time, check-in opens. So that was really helpful, I think, in getting us a really good boarding position, which meant that we didn't really have to sit around. Because when we got on the ship, there was, or when we were, when we were in the boarding area, there was another couple that was sitting next to us. And they must have either 
chosen to have a later boarding time or, or whatever, but we didn't see them on the ship for another hour and a half. So checking in right as it right as it uh, came available was really great. It's almost like a Southwest flight, right? Like you want to, I don't care yes. what time my flight is, I'm going to check in 24 hours on the dot to get an A boarding group. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that, that in a, I mean, we're being San Diegans, we're very used to the Southwest boarding process. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where we really got that idea from yeah. as well. <laughs> so what were your first impressions once you jumped on Carnival Inspiration? I think one of the coolest parts of going on this trip was really seeing those new experiences through my kids' eyes. Um, I took some video of them walking on board, and as soon as they came into the atrium, and it it boards right into the atrium at Long Beach, um, and you just see their faces light up, and both of them, without, you know, prompting or anything, they'd walk in and just go, wow, um, which was just really awesome. Um, And since we were cruising in October, the whole ship was decked out in um, Halloween decorations, which was which is a really cool touch. We basically went straight for Guy's Burgers and Blue Iguana and the buffet for lunch. Then we went straight in the pool um, because it was completely empty. The inspiration had recently, about a, a less than a year earlier, had just done a refresher dry dock, just replacing carpets and the like. Um, so everything was in pretty good order. And when they opened the stateroom hallways at 1.30, we were really pleasantly surprised that our bags were already there and waiting for us, which was pretty cool. So I don't know if it's because we showed up early or because they're, the ship wasn't too full, too full. Um, but it was a nice little touch and really nice surprise. Well, let's talk about the stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? So we decided to splurge a little bit, and we actually got two connecting ocean view rooms, um, M78 and 74, which is a 6C classroom. That means something to someone. Um, <laughs> and it really made a huge difference to have that extra space. Um, you know, we had our space, the kids had their space, um, and we worked with the cabin steward to reconfigure the beds in the kids' room to make an L shape which really opened the floor so they had more room to play and just spread out a little bit. Since the rooms on the Inspiration are, are a bit on the smaller side. Um, and I know that by square footage, they're the same as a typical balcony cabin on a newer ship. Um, but And maybe it's just how it's laid out, but it really, it, it felt small. Um, so for example, there's, there's no couch, there's a chair, but on a Vista class ship, there's a couch, there's room for that. So that was a big part. One of the things that we did, which ended up being a huge uh, bonus, um, is that we d- booked our room on the port side of the ship, which meant that when we were in Catalina, we got a great view of Catalina. And when we were in Ensenada, it was actually the shady side of the ship, which meant that I got to get some really cool time lapse video of arriving into Catalina, the sun setting on the last night. So the, that having it on the port side was really great. Catalina, we'll get to it in a couple of moments, but are there really yeah. buffalo there? There are. Wow, they okay. shot a movie there in like the mid early 1900s and they never removed them and now there's a herd of buffalo. My my friend Ashley was telling me that she went to a wine festival over there about a year ago and she's like, "Yeah, and we saw buffalo." I'm like, "Get out of here. You didn't see buffalo on <laughs> Catalina Island." And so, yeah, I guess um, that's it's very true. So let's talk about the food then on Carnival Inspiration. What did you think of it? And we'll start in the main dining room. Overall, the food was really great. And having having the chance to look at the menus ahead of time was really helpful for the kids. Um, each kid actually ordered and ate at least one thing off the adult menu each night. 
And I think a big part of that is because we we gave them the chance to to know what to expect. Of course, the service was excellent. They always called us by name. Um, and we totally took advantage of the tip that I've heard here and elsewhere that you don't have to order just one thing from each column. So just about every night I had a meal that was just a bunch of appetizers. And on the last night, I actually ordered an entree and the waiter turned to me and said, wow, Jeremy, you're finally ordering an entree. <laughs> the food was really, the quality of the food in the main dining room was really good. But the one thing um, that surprised me is that not everything that was listed on the menu was exactly what was brought. So for example, there's one dish called roasted broccoli with three cheese. And in the subtitle, it had the three cheese that were uh, that were on it. So I was expecting roasted broccoli with three cheeses melted on top. Um, but what came was a broccoli and cheese soup. Now, that's delicious. It was delicious. It was one of the most delicious things we ate on the entire ship. But it wasn't exactly what we were expecting. So another example, there was a couple next to us. And... Um, they ordered this thing and I turned, I turned to my wife and I said, whoa, I, I didn't see pho on the menu. And I looked back at the menu and, and there was something called a shrimp noodle and vegetable bowl, um, which, you know, most places would just call that pho. Um, so that was, that was something that was a little surprising. And uh, one, one thing that we learned actually from our waiter is that the hot soups are prepared at the waiter station, but everything else comes out of the main kitchen. So that meant that when we did order hot soups, they came out first and very quickly. But overall, the main dining room was great, super busy the first night. And by the third night when we were, uh, yeah, it was the third night when we were in Ensenada, it was pretty much empty. Um, I asked, we actually asked the waiter about that. And we were like, is that normal for the Ensenada day? And he said, yeah, everybody's come back hungover. So they don't come to the main dining room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the this fantasy class, all these fantasy class ships have two main dining rooms, both only one floor each. Were you in the mid or aft? We were in, I think it's the mid. Okay. Kind of off the atrium there. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Now, how, I how think about so. I, I think it was I think it was the Mardi Gras. Because okay. we did we did the early uh time dining. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So let's talk about the buffet experience and how was the Lido Marketplace area? Lido Marketplace was fine. We did it for breakfast and lunch um, and some snacks. Um, you know, the basics, the the one thing that um, that my wife got, which was awesome, is at the Carnival Deli, they have, you know, all these different kinds of sandwiches. She tried getting a grilled cheese with mustard and mayo. Doug, the next time you go, you got to try it. Um, you'll thank me later. Um, Jeez, just mustard totally mayo. transformed the sandwich overall. It was <laughs> fine. It was, you know, your, your standard buffet of, of stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I, I will say, Doug, you would be very proud because my son had about as many guys burgers as I've heard you have, oh, no. um, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> Starting them off young. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. I think the one thing that I'm really excited for, and I'm really hoping they bring fleet wide is the breakfast burgers at Guy's. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that they they have some sort of veggie patty in the future. Because my wife is vegetarian. And mm-hmm. um, what she did is she she took a, a tostada shell from Blue Iguana, the Mexican place, and filled it up with the fries from Guy's, the beans from Blue Iguana, and sour cream and guac. And sal- I, I don't know if you can tell, we're, we're from San Diego. So yeah, that, yeah. That, wow. we're, we're all about kind of hacking buffets and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, the the... Buffet was great. The guys was great as always. The Blue Iguana burrito and taco bar were really, really great. One thing about Blue Iguana, the taco line 
all the time was shorter than the burrito line. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much the same food. Um, so that was that was really helpful. Being your family was on board, did the kids eat any pizza or yourself? They did, yeah. We did have a couple of pizzas or slices of pizza. Um, I forget what they... Uh, I forget what they call it on this one. Pizza pirate, maybe, or yeah, something like that. Um, the pizza was fine. I, I bake a lot of pizza at home, so I, I, I've gotten to be a little picky about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they overflower their dough a little bit, but overall, you know, it, it, what's that expression like? Even bad pizza, it's still pizza. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> how how was the entertainment on this four night cruise? It was really good. Um, we were uh, we were really really impressed and surprised. Um, Ryan Rose was our cruise director, and um, he was he was amazing. So full of energy. Um, the kids had a blast at the kids programs. We did. I mean, we did just about everything. We did the the Dr. Seuss parade and the story time and the Build a Bear and the Towel Animal Theater and. They did have some Halloween-specific activities. They had a trick-or-treating scavenger hunt, which was really, really fun. So the kids got to go around to, like, 15 different places, and people from the kids' staff were um, were there passing out candy, which they loved. Um, the Camp Ocean stuff was a little hit or miss. I think I've learned from this experience it's very much a your mileage, will, your mileage may vary type of situation. Mm-hmm. My daughter had a really fun time with her activities, um, but my son, when, when he was there for a little bit, um, it, it was scheduled to be group activities and there were like eight kids there and everybody except for my son wanted to play video games. So the seven of them played video games and he just didn't know what to do. Um, so I think it's kind of one of the, your mileage may vary. The water slides were awesome. The pool can get chilly though. So we actually, we got in the pool and got out pretty quickly because it was pretty cold. Um, but there weren't a ton of kids on the ship. So the water slide lines were empty and non- almost non-existent. So, uh, my son got to go on the big water slide a bunch, which, which he really loved. Um, my only real complaint about the entertainment is that the, the, the noise level in the big group moments, like the sail away party and that sort of thing, it was, it was so loud that we had to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even, even my ears were, were ringing pretty substantially, um, which I know there's a lot of things that you can do on a ship and, and we weren't hurting for entertainment. Um, but that was, that was a little disappointing. The noise just totally spooked them. Um, the, the one, the one, and this is a kind of a combination of the entertainment and the dining. We did the, uh, cat and hat breakfast, which was so much fun. The, the waiters and the entertainers were awesome. My kids love taking pictures with the, um, with the characters and everything, but the one real disappointment was actually the food. My wife had the waffles, and she said they tasted like they had made them about three days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the steak and eggs, which I had had on the imagination at the Sea Day brunch, and it was awesome. But this steak was really like overcooked and rubbery, and instead of the roasted potatoes on the menu, it was just fries, and they came out cold and soft. And um, the parfaits were were cute and 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 really and really yummy, um, but. That was the one uh, upcharge specialty dining that we took advantage of because there's only two. There's that and, and the chef's table, other than the like steak and lobster in the main dining room. Mm-hmm. So we were a little disappointed with that one. But but the entertainment on it was was great. The kids had a great time with it. Do they do the sea day brunch on that ship? 
They do, but because of the sailing, there's only one sea day. Um, so we, and we just, there was so much that we wanted to do that we, I, we could have theoretically gone to the Dr. Seuss breakfast and then gone to the sea day brunch, but I mm-hmm. think it would have just been too much. Yeah. But yeah, they do, they do the sea day brunch in one of the dining rooms and the Dr. Seuss in the other. Gotcha. Very good. Well, let's talk about the ports of call you went to. Give us a highlight from each one. In Catalina, it was totally the Catalina semi-submersible. It was so much fun. My kids loved every minute. They were just enthralled with being able to see out the windows and love seeing the fish swarm when the captain went up and fed them, um, which was really cool. Um, my, my kids were old enough to know that there were fish, but didn't really know what kind of fish. Mm-hmm. So my daughter was like, are we going to see salmon? Um, I was like, wrong part of the world, but I'm glad you're noticing the fish. <laughs> the captain describing everything that we were seeing was really great. We had heard that it was a little choppy out to the cove, but we didn't feel much swaying at all. And at the end, we all went up and stood on the top as we pulled back into the dock. One thing that that surprised us uh, was we booked this through Carnival and we saved a ton of money by doing that. For one, when you book directly through the uh, excursion that that actually does it, they tack on a bunch of fees at the end, which jack up the price. Um, and Carnival actually doesn't charge for kids three and under. So my daughter, who's three, we would have had to pay for her if we had booked directly. But because we went through Carnival, we didn't. So that was great. And it was just such a fun time. I did not realize that Carnival, is that for every excursion? Uh, three and under is free? I don't know if it's across the board, but a lot of them that I was looking at, it was okay. the case. Okay, very interesting. I did not know that. And then what was your next port of call? The next one was Ensenada. And, you know, it was fine. We did. uh, So it turns out they they don't tell you this ahead of time. But the morning you get to Ensenada, there is a uh, a, like a 45 minute highlights bus ride and drop off for shopping. That's 20 bucks a person. If we had known about it, I think we would have planned a little bit better. But we, we did do that. And we took the bus around and it's fine. The city is basically bars and tourism. And uh, But one place that we stopped kind of off the beaten path that we had known about, there's a restaurant called Cafe La Churreria, and I'm probably totally butchering how to pronounce it. Hmm. It's a place that sells uh, coffee and stuffed churros. And it was so delicious. We had uh, super yummy churros and uh, horchata lattes and espressos and just really yummy. Um, but actually, as I was when we were going through Ensenada, I was actually thinking of uh, of, of you, Doug, because I knew that you were going to be going on the uh, the Carnival Panorama mm-hmm. initial sailing to Ensenada, and my I was walking around thinking, I know Doug really wants to get these shots of an empty cruise ship, but there's almost nothing to do in Ensenada. Right. So how is he going <laughs> to? Are enough people going to get off the ship for him to take care of that? But uh, seems from your videos that they were. Um, and is fun for a couple hours. And then we came back to the ship and relaxed, did more of the water slides. Uh, and that, that was pretty much it. Yeah. In Sonata, we actually, we didn't do an excursion. We jogged, I think two miles and went back on the ship because, uh, yeah, if, I guess there isn't much in the port except for a little bit of shopping and some food trucks and carts right there. And, uh, so right. it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, Maybe like a not so busy Cozumel, as mm. far as the shops set up and all that. Have you been Have you been to Cozumel before? 
Uh, no, I haven't, okay, but so, I've heard it's, I've heard it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, a laid back little town there, but if it gets busy, I can see it getting really busy there, but I think only one ship can dock there at a time, if I'm not mistaken, as far as cruise ships. Ensenada, they can do two because, okay. um, I, I remember seeing later some, uh, one of, I think it was Ryan Rose was posting some, he was on the inspiration and, um, I think it was the miracle, which started doing some trips out of San Diego um, was also in port. And so okay. they were, I, I, but I think it's two that can, that can yeah. dock there. You're probably right. Um, uh, what do I know? I'm just an East coaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, very good. Well, it sounds like you had uh, two cool ports there. So you make your way back to long beach. How was disembarkation? So easy. The only time we stopped in the entire process was for customs. Super easy, super easy to, to get off the ship, super easy to get to the car, um, and leave the parking garage. It was it was just great. Looking back on this cruise, do you have any first-time tips to offer someone who may be doing a four-night or quick weekend sailing out of the West Coast on Carnival Inspiration? I would say do your research so you can manage expectations. Um, checking in early was a huge uh, was was huge. Um, if you're traveling with kids, swing. I remember hearing on on a previous episode about it was either the imagination or inspiration. And someone was saying they had four people in the room and it just felt super tight. By having the two rooms, you know, it was cheaper than a grand suite and we had more room and it was room that we could close off. So that was, if you can swing it for two rooms, especially on the port side, it's a total game changer. Very good. What was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Oh, I know I'm supposed to be focusing on the ship and the ship is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the, the, the ship and Carnival in general just made it so easy, um, which was really wonderful. I think being able to see the joy of cruising light up on my kids' faces um, was huge. They We got off the ship and we were so excited a little while later to tell them that we would be going on two cruises this upcoming summer, um, which are going to be radically different experiences on either end of the spectrum. We're doing a Europe cruise on the Azamara journey from Barcelona to Rome, and then later in the summer, we're doing the panorama on the Mexican Riviera. So going from a 690-person ship to a 4,500-person <laughs> yeah. ship will be really different. But just seeing the the excitement in their faces to uh, cruise and just to have a fun time just as us as a family, um, that, that was the biggest highlight of all. And your final thoughts of Carnival Inspiration? Easy ship, great for the West Coast. And it's super inexpensive, which is always a plus. Very good. We've been talking with Jeremy about his four-night cruise out of Long Beach on Carnival Inspiration. Thanks so much for sharing this review, man. Thank you, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Hey, Mike. Glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh, yeah. I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. <laughs> 